Welcome to the Round Pegs Square Holes podcast, hosted by myself, Sebastian Bates, and Timothy Fair Matthews. A podcast made by entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs. We're launching our podcast with a series of raw but real interviews with some of the world's leading business mentors, industry experts, and entrepreneurs with incredible stories. Our goal is to inspire, educate, and entertain. So if it's your first time joining us, make sure you go back to episode one and don't miss a thing as you listen to incredible insights from our speakers. This is the Round Pegs Square Holes podcast. Welcome back, guys, to the Round Pegs Square Holes podcast. I'm here today with Lee Evans. Lee's a high-performance life coach at Mind Power Solutions. Uh, Lee's got quite an incredible story, which I think is going to be uh, really inspiring for you guys, as well as lots of productivity hacks. So we're going to dive into that a lot today. So Lee joined the army at 16 after his mother committed suicide a year previously. Following the prestigious British commando course, he earned his Green Beret at 18, uh, with, um, with many years of serving tours around the world. He's worked with million pound business owners and professional athletes, and this year alone coached over 300 military leaders uh, in the British Army. So Lee's going to be sharing his advice on how to hack your productivity. Lee, great to have you here, mate. Hey, Sab. Thanks, mate. I'm excited. Awesome stuff. How's your day been so far? Wonderful, wonderful. Yeah, I've had a really productive day. Some uh, one one-to-one client, uh, quick catch up with you in the group, obviously, in the dense stuff. Uh, yeah, all good. Very good day. Awesome. So um, for anyone doesn't, who hasn't met you before, who hasn't uh, read about you or seen your previous podcast, um, it'd be great to, to kind of hear about the early days. You know, what was it, what it, was, what it was like kind of growing up um, before the army? Yeah, it's uh, well, it kind of forms my story and my purpose, really. But um, I kind of was a young lad in, in a little village in Wales. Uh, so kind of not very much going on. You know, I was a skinny kid, didn't really kind of excel at anything in school, but kind of got on, you know, it was fine. Uh, and then at some point uh, in my teenage years, when I was 15, in fact, uh, my mother took her own life. And it kind of turned everything upside down, obviously. You know, you're a kind of young kid. You don't really know what's going on. And suddenly your life's been ripped out, you know. Um, so that was, the, that was the first kind of uh, real lesson to me about living life on purpose and really kind of, you know, not wasting time, basically. And, and, uh, and it was a real lesson to me that life can go quickly, um, you know, and you'll know yourself with some of the things you've done before. People can be gone like that. Uh, and we should make the most of it all. So that was the kind of start, really. Um, but I feel like, you know, only on reflection, you understand all of this. But looking back, as I have done throughout the years, I kind of see that was a forming kind of uh, moment in my life into what I do now. Uh, so I didn't really know what to do. So I joined the army. <laughs> Why not? Right. So I joined the army. Off I went. Little kind of skinny 16 year old with a load of other wide eyed kids. Uh, and that led to 25 years in, in the army. Uh, you know, wonderful, wonderful time. Uh, toured around Afghanistan and kind of everywhere else around the world, basically. And again, in Afghanistan, went twice there for you know over nearly kind of uh, 14 months of my life out there. Really kind of learned that life can go quickly again. There was another moment in my life. I remember sitting on a hillside, in fact, in 2005, looking over. Uh, where we, you know, bombs were dropping and people were dying, and I was like, 
it was another kind of reinforcing moment about what's important in life, which I think is people and relationships uh, and kind of that's the foundation of all of it. Anyway, go forward a bit in the military. I became fascinated with the mind. I was about uh, 29 years old and I started getting to coaching in the military. So I was an instructor in the defense diving school. So where they teach all of the military divers, I was a te- an instructor there and coaching was coming in and I got fascinated by it because I kind of looked back and thought when I was a training regiment corporal a couple of years before that, I got this real buzz from a skinny kid like me coming in. And then 12 weeks later, they had their shoulders back. They had their kind of, you know, they had some confidence. I, and I really loved that. And I, I didn't know why, but I just thought, wow, that's amazing. I love that. And it happened again when I was coaching, when I was, you know, a bit older. I just got this buzz from people kind of empowering and, and changing and transforming. So it led me on a bit of a journey, really, into the mind. And I wanted to be the person that didn't just talk about theory. I wanted to understand it. And long story short, I found a guy who was a hypnotherapist and he was taking people into surgery with no pain and just using the mind. Wow. I was like, yeah, I was, I was like that. I went, wow, I yeah. want to learn about that. <laughs> right. So I went and trained for the guy for a year in London and, and the military paid for that. Uh, fate, right? <laughs> but uh, anyway, <laughs> that resulted in me then testing my own self. After a year, I said, okay, if I'm going to get into this, which I just found a fever, I kind of loved it. It just really yeah. fascinated me. I've got to know if it's real because everyone has a skeptical view, you know, hypnosis, hypnotherapy, mind, all that. They think, yeah, okay, what, you know, what is it real? Is it real or not? So I had to test it. So I I had a number of surgeries on purpose with no pain uh, and no anesthetic to see whether, yeah, to see whether my mind, whether I could do that. Can we, I mean, can we dive it? Can we just, can we talk about the surgeries? Like what? Yeah. Yeah. This is incredible. One of them was a dental uh, dental procedure I needed to have, which is basically yeah. right deep down into the gum. Under the gum, uh, it was like a root canal, basically. Uh, so it was right into the nerve and digging around. And I thought, okay, this is this is the test I'm going to set for myself. Yeah. So I used self-hypnosis for three weeks, which I kind of just learned. And right. I was like, right, I'm going to test this for myself. I had to convince the dentist to do it in the first place because she wasn't very happy. <laughs> I bet, yeah. yeah. But anyway, we did it. We did it. And, and I can remember inside this kind of celebration in my mind going, I've done it. I can, I can hear the drill. I can, feel yeah, right. the, I can feel the pressure. I can feel the, the moving around, but there's no pain. I can't feel any pain. So just, was, just to get this right, for anyone who's just joined us now, because we've had a few who will just, just jump on. You trained yourself in self-hypnosis so that you could go under the knife in surgery without feeling pain, without any uh, anesthetic. Yes. Yeah. And how, it, how does how does one train in yeah. self hypnosis to prepare for surgery? It's like training for anything, right? It's like, and you'll know this from your years of discipline in in martial arts and and base jumping and all those things. It takes a level of commitment that most people won't enter into. You know, there's a level of discipline and commitment and desire to really kind of invest in practicing, right? And all I did was. Mm-hmm. What allows it to happen fundamentally is the belief. If you believe it's going to happen, right, you can then use that belief to make it happen. Um, yeah. And self-hypnosis was, is a way of directly targeting the subconscious part of your mind, programming it for what you want to happen, and then do that thing, right? And you just got to yeah. believe and go. And so what happened is I went in, three weeks before I had a script. I wrote a script for myself, exactly what was going to happen. I'm going to walk into the dental chair. You know, and you compound things. It's like when I feel the dental chair go back, which I knew was going to happen, you then compound on in the suggestion, your mouth is numb, your jaw is numb. 
and I did this for three weeks and I was using self-hypnosis every day for three weeks. I just went mm. in and did it and, and, it, and, and I did it and it happened. And I was like, okay. So then I went on and, and had another surgery, which is a jaw surgery I had to have, which was a ramp up. <laughs> um, but again, same thing. And to the point where the nurses in the hospital were like, thought I was macho or something. They were saying, you know, oh, why aren't you taking the morphine? Why aren't you doing all of this stuff? You must be in pain. And I was sitting yeah. there thinking, I'm not going to, I don't feel any pain. I'm not putting morphine into myself, right? So I had to, yeah, right. they, they got bored and stopped trying to give me morphine in the end. But so, anyway, so what, what, was, what was the, so Sabrina's um, uh, got a question for you here. Um, what made you decide to pick, pick the hypnotherapy option over traditional medicine? Yeah, was well, it really just to test it, just to test if it was actually real, if it was actually going to work for you. I'd ha I, I'd, I developed a fascination with the human mind. Yeah. I, was, I was genuinely fascinated and I wanted to get into this as a profession. I wanted to help people use their minds. So I, I saw uh, this when I saw the teacher, Dr. John Butler is the guy in London. He's kind of one of the world's leaders in, in the mind. He gets called into court for cults and all kinds of stuff. When I saw him taking people into surgery and they were going under the knife and there was no pain. And I, it was on television. There was a Channel 4 series uh, called Hypnosurgery Live. So you can see it for yourself. But mm. I just became fascinated. And I thought, oh, my God, because I'd gone into NLP. I'd gone into coaching. And what I'd heard a lot of was just superficial theory. And the yeah. people, I wanted to know more. In the classes, I was the person that said, how do you know this? What about this? How do you do that? And the instructors didn't like it. And that, to me, was an indication that they didn't really know. They were just reading a book. And I didn't want to be that person. So hypnotherapy, mm. why I chose that was because I, I saw that it was an unbelievable power that I'd never seen before. Mm. that I wanted to see if I could use for myself. And then that led into 10 years of therapeutic practice um, before I... Sub's disappeared. Oh, no, he's back. Okay. <laughs> I thought you froze then, Sub. <laughs> yeah. yeah so so the, the answer to the question was, I saw real power in the mind, mm. and I saw it through hypnotherapy and hypnosis. And, and there's another story. There's so many stories. But partly, I then used it for myself to kind of really deal with my mother's death and the kind mm. of anger that I felt from all those things, you know? Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, it's there's nothing like hazy about it. It's, it's literally tapping into the kind of human operating system, isn't it? You know, it, and, it, and it, yeah, it's, it's literally getting your mind and then programming it for what you want and then yeah. give it to you. And, and this is this is the understanding. We have to clarify the mind isn't you, you know. Yeah. You're, you're yeah. not the mind. You have a mind. But most people can't see they don't see the gap they just you know right. they, they identify as their thoughts they identify as their feelings they identify as their mind but yeah they're not this they have a mind they have a body and they are the higher level of awareness and consciousness that can control all of that yeah you know? so the, the mind and the body are tools but the Absolutely. But, it, but in terms of in terms of how you make that separation you know, we, I mean, we're, we're diving straight into a, a kind of tip yeah. here, aren't we? A hack, if you like. But in oh. terms of making that separation, what's a what's an easy way for people to kind of make that separation or a quick a quick win? The the sep yeah, okay, a quick win in in being able to become aware of your own mind and not as you. Uh, there's a really good book if anyone wants to read it called The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. That's a fascinating book. Uh, and there's there's a thing in there where he talks about becoming the observer. Right. So basically, mm. all you need to do is you close your eyes and you now imagine 
that your mind is over there and any thought that comes into your mind, you're watching it over there. Yeah. So there's a separation from you and your mind. And if you do that, and, and if you know you guide somebody with this, they can do it within a minute, right? I've guided people many times. They do it within a minute, and they're basically now in this state where they realize, actually, I'm watching my mind over there. And when they do that, there's a separation, but not just between their mind where they're looking, but also with the, the feeling connection between the mind and them. Because if yeah. your mind is over there and you're, you know, if you're looking at your mind as an observer, then it is not connected at the moment as you. So now the feelings are not connected either because yeah. the mind's over there. So the feelings are now kind of just, they're not in here, they're over there. And it's a yeah. wonderful thing. It, 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 interesting, you brought out the power of now. Uh, Tim and I used to, used to read that book about 10 years ago. And, um, and he's, he's now listening to it, right? We actually had a conversation about that book uh, oh, earlier this week. It's, it's one of those books that's really good. If you're going through something difficult, it kind of reminds you that you kind of, if you sit down and while all this chaos is going around you, you just ask yourself that, you know, that question, you know, what's going on right now for you? How are you doing right now? Because the reality is you're fine, right? It's like everything, everything's fine. You're breathing, you know, your body's working, your mind's working. This, this kind of threat you're perceiving isn't a reality. It's more an imagination. Well, it's, it's the destructive use of your imagination, right? Yeah. And, yeah. But, we all, but we also have the power to use our imagination constructively, which mm. means I start to now visualize and imagine pain-free surgery. I start to visualize and imagine my goals and all of those things. Right. And it's the same thing. It either goes that way or goes that way. It depends what you're doing with it. And it depends whether you realize you're in charge of it or whether it's in charge of you, you know? Mm, yeah, totally, um, totally. So, so I mean, in in, ter in terms of um, you know meditation, one of the uh, meditation hypnotherapy, um, and and really kind of focusing on the on on how something's going to go and how your body's going to process that as a thought, as a feeling. Um, would you say this is this is similar to NLP? This is one of the questions from Tim. My experience of NLP, which uh, I trained as an NLP practitioner about. 10 years ago when I, I think everybody who first starts getting into the mind stumbles across NLP first because it's so mm. well commercially you know marketed and, and all of those things so everybody falls across against that or, or comes up against that um, and my experience with it is and you know I've looked with me if I'm going to go into something I look into it in quite a lot of depth so I went into the background you know I looked at um, Grinder and Bandler, the, the founders back in the kind of 60s and 70s when they were on the kind of LSD trip in California and all that. Mm. And, and what I found with it is, is a superficiality to NLP, in my opinion. I mean, and you, you know, I'm not rubbishing anything, but my own experience and opinion is it wasn't deep enough for me. It's basically what they've done is, is listen to people like Milton Erickson, who is a, an amazing therapist, hypnotherapist, and they basically said, if you say the same words that he said, then you'll get that same effect. Well, yeah. that's not going to happen because it's not, it's not the words. It's the emotion behind the words. It's the belief that are coming with those words. Right. It's everything else about him, you know. So you yeah. can't just learn Milton language, say certain things, and that effect's going to happen because that's just Yeah, I can, I can totally see what you're saying. You know, it's, it's, it's like, you're, you know, you, you've dived into this and language and the words you use are one aspect of a much bigger picture, right? Absolutely. The words are fundamentally important. Don't get me wrong. Words are fundamentally important. But mm. uh, like you say, uh, you know, NLP, I'm not saying it's rubbish. It's, it's useful for people for certain things. But I challenge anybody to use NLP to have pain-free surgery, right? 
Right, yeah. And, and, <laughs> yeah. and, and, and they, talk yeah. In NLP, they talk in NLP about the hypnosis aspect of NLP, right? But at the end of the day, you can train in NLP in five days in a classroom. Yeah. And you kind of, and now you're a hypnosis practitioner. Well, I'm sorry. So, <laughs> that's kind of not the depth I'm after, right? If anyone's keen to accept the challenge, just write in the comments, I accept. And uh, <laughs> what we'll do is we'll, we'll plan a, we'll, we, will, we will pay for some NLP training for you. And then we'll book the surgery for you as well afterwards if you accept <laughs> the challenge, right? Okay. They're all coming in now. I'm just saying we've gone off on a complete tangent into hypnotherapy, and I don't even do hypnotherapy anymore. No, I know. It's amazing. I was going to say, you know, it's, it, you're, you're specializing now in high performance, right? But it's what's interesting is this, this kind of movement through hypnotherapy into yeah. high performance and how that influenced what you do and why you do it. Completely. Yeah. And, and it is an evolution. You know, what I did when I discovered uh, hypnotherapy, I still had 10 years left in the military to do a full career, which I wanted to do because I had a really mm. good career and I loved the military. Um, so I just basically started practicing with everyone I could. You know, yeah. I, I even remember hypnotizing a removal man on my stairs. He would be on the stairs removing my stuff out of one of the married quarters and moving from. And I said, he said, oh, I've got a headache. I was like, oh, I'll bang, hypnotize him on the stairs. I had yeah, a fever. Right. I, was going, I was going mad for it, right? And then I had 10 years <laughs> where, where I moved around the military, even in Afghanistan and different places. I would be hypnotizing anybody for only anything for a good 10 years before I left because I had yeah. this real fascination and fever. I loved it. Um, and that then, when I left the military, I stepped out to be a full-time therapist for myself. I set my own practice. Mm. Uh, doctors started to refer to me. It was going wow. very well. Yeah, it was going very well. Um, you know, really great. But over time, business people started to come to me for stress. Uh, sports athletes started to come to me for performance enhancement. And those mm. are the things I thought, you know, having done 10 years worth of a lot of childhood stuff, trauma, regression, all those things that, you know, are very powerful for people. But all they do is bring them to now, if I'm being honest. Yeah. All that does yeah. is bring them to now so they can start making a plan for the future, right? Yeah, because they're, tra they're trapped back in the past. So hypnotherapy can bring them to now, but they've still got to then start doing now. So I thought, why don't we just start doing it now, right? Mm. You know, let's let's understand that you're not owned by your mind. Those things happened back then, but the, and and I really got I I enjoyed working with disciplined people who are you know athletes, military people, and business people. So it just naturally mm. evolved then into me searching for high performance what is high performance you know i wanted to know what it was yeah so then i went out to america and and certified as a high performance coach by the high performance institute and and now that that's the transition so hypnotherapy and the mind will always be a part of what i bring to any work that i do because yeah it's such a deep foundation in in the mind and belief systems which affects everything but that now comes into my coaching and you know and and for instance if i'm helping somebody in high performance coaching with breathing, you know, I've got a real deep understanding of breathing through the hypnotherapy and everything else. So that's the evolution, really. It just started, I started enjoying more working with the people that were looking forward rather than going back. Yeah, definitely. Okay, cool. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's really interesting to see because I, I, I wasn't aware of the, uh, the kind of hypnotherapy, but, but it, it, it makes sense now, you know, yeah. and, um, and I, Having having been in on a coaching call with you and thirty military leaders, and um, a couple of weeks ago, yeah, um, it, it was great to kind of see how you how you put a lot of your work into practice. 
you know. Yeah. So it'd be, it'd be quite cool to hear um, if you could kind of tell everyone what, what you do now and how you do it. How do you deliver what you do? Yeah. I'll, I'll just, I'll just before I go into that, I'll just very briefly give a, an, a very brief explanation for anyone who wants to understand hypnotherapy and why it's so powerful. If you find the right people to train you, because like anything, there's a minefield out there. There's some people who are saying, I train you in this, but actually who you train with, you know, and what's the mm. effect? That's what I'm interested in. What's the effect? The, the definition I would say about real hypnosis and hypnotherapy is, is the study of the human mind at its deepest level. That's what I would call it the study of the human mind at its deepest level. Because for me, if you can go against pain and win, yeah. the, the, other, the other correlation here between coaching is, and, and success in anything, is your ability to focus on something, right? Yeah. So, so if we want to, you know, hypnotherapy, for instance, what I did with the self-hypnosis and the pain-free surgeries is heightened my focus onto one single point so much that I could not, there was no focus there was mm. nothing else that could come into my focus including pain including yeah. any of those other things so it's a hyper single focus so it's a very powerful um thing to understand but anyway it's, going into yeah go on yeah and no, it just it just sounds very similar to meditation in the way that you you know you're focusing on one thing and trying not to become distracted right that must be the real challenge because yeah especially for surgery there's a few distractions going on well, there is, but the, the point is you use those things to, to deepen your focus into something else, you know? Yeah. Um, and and the, the difference quickly between meditation and, and self-hypnosis really is meditation's goal is about clearing the mind, mm. you know, it's having this clear space. Uh, self-hypnosis's goal is about clearing the mind and then programming it with what you want it to do for you yeah. at, a, at a deep level, right? So there's a difference, although there's similar kind of, you know, you look at the brain waves, this similar kind of beta, alpha, theta, delta waves going on when we're the frequencies and everything else is similar states. But it's what you're doing when you're in that state, you know. Mm. Just a quick question here. What is your thoughts about access? Uh, consciousness? Con Can you read that? I don't, I don't know what I don't know what that means. So somebody's going to have to explain have it to me. Rephrase, rephrase that question. You, access you consciousness. Oh, I'm not sure what that means. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what I would say is, uh, yeah, so going into another, 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 one, another question here. Um, what have you found is the, is the reason some people find it easier to separate than others? What have you found the reason some people find it to separate? You mean distractions and focus and to be able to use their mind? Yeah, yeah. I think that's what I, mean. I, I think it's like anything it is a the level of commitment and practice that people will do, you know. The, the teacher that taught me, Dr. John Butler, he said to me, he was interviewed once and said, could anybody do this surgery stuff with? And he said, yeah, of course, anybody could. Most people won't because mm -hmm. they won't have that level of it's like you. Can anybody do the base jumping that you did? Could anybody go to the Mai Tai boxing that you did? Mm -hmm. Probably a lot of people could if they really not everyone, but a lot of people could if they had the discipline, if they had the focus, if they had the commitment, mm -hmm. the time and energy and all of that, they could do something towards that area. But most people won't because mm. it takes a level of commitment, you know. So I think the reason, how do you do this? It you know, it, it's got to be something inside you that you really want to understand. So, I mean, you've got to have a pretty strong reason to want to put yourself through all that. To it's do like it. a, yeah, you've it's got like to have any, a strong why. It's like anything. It comes to the motive, right? And motivation. If we look at the word motivation. It, you know, is the motive underpins motivation. It's like if the policeman wants to know 
why I committed that crime, it will come to my house and try and seek my motive. It's mm. like, what's the thing driving the action is what we're after. So it's the yeah. same for this. If you, what is the reason for you to want to separate your mind? You know, mm. and for me, it was because I'd understood pain at a deep level emotionally. Uh, and I wanted to use the power of my mind for myself and to make an impact in the world for other people. I didn't want anyone else. I saw my mother, you know, get to a place where she saw no other option than to jump off a 150 foot viaduct. And I'm like, wow, I don't want people to be like that, to feel like that. Mm -hmm. Right. I don't, I don't want mothers. And then I saw it again in Afghanistan, you know, I don't want someone to go home with no legs and yeah. then they're, they're a dad and uh, or the, the son to be waiting. And I don't want pain and suffering. Right. And if I can do something about it, mm. I want to know why. And that's my why. That was my reason. I was like, this is bigger than me. You know, this, this kind of real desire to learn about myself and wield myself for the world, you know, use myself for the world. Um, so I think the answer to the question is, I think it is, um, one, the reason why you want to do it, and then combined with the level of time and energy and commitment you will practice on that thing. And the final thing is finding the right instructor, the right teacher, the right person to really show you the way. Yeah. Those yeah. Two things. Yeah, it makes complete sense. And, you know, it, it's, a, it's, such a, it's such a powerful thing when you look back and try and realize why you do what you do. You know, and often, and often the kind of traumatic or difficult things that you went through as a, as a young person or even as an adult, They've got such an amazing way of, you know, almost forcing you to, to pivot in and, and grow and develop because of it, You're like post-traumatic growth, right? Yeah, I, I, but I think this is another lesson I had about the mind. I didn't feel any of that trauma, really. Right. Okay? I didn't feel it. I didn't experience it. And at the time... You were, I, you were observing it, would you say? I, I, for some reason, there was just no connection inside me with the pain, right? Right. Both both as a young lad when my mother died and also in Afghanistan. And when I saw people die and all of those things, it doesn't mean I didn't have empathy or emotion. You think it's just a shock, like the shock of watching that go on and not I knowing think, how to respond? I think for some people it's the shock, but shock wears off, right? Yeah. And there was no wearing off. I've never really felt that pain. And I, well, this is sort of not really true, but I'll explain in a second, but... Basically, I think your mind has this phenomenal ability to protect you from pain that is too much for you. Right. You know? And I think my mind, for whether it's luck, whether it's fate, whatever you want to call it, my mind did that for me. And, you know, I was protected. So people wow. who can, yeah, so I think. So it's really, it's really, really interesting point of view. I've never heard of someone approach it like that, you know. Some, yeah, my experience as a young lad was that my mind protected me from pain. I was I remember yeah. I remember looking back and thinking, why am I not crying? At the time, mm. I remember being in my bedroom mm. and going, why do I not feel why am I not crying? Why am I not upset? It was strange. I was like, this is weird. And it's not that I can't feel. I'm one of the most empathetic emotional people I know. It's just my mind I mean, protected that, that, me. I mean, that trauma was so deep and so severe yeah. that it I was think, just too much for your mind to kind of process it. So it yeah, just rejected it. I think it is just protected me from it. And I think, right. you know, I think your mind can do that. And, you know, you heard um, stories before where people are up on the mountain and the guy cut his hand off, you know, and he, yeah. didn't, and he didn't feel any pain until the paramedics were there and then all the kind of pain came. 
That's yeah. his mind protecting him because he might die if he felt that pain. Do you, do you think that's healthy? Because if you go through trauma and your mind protects you from it and you don't necessarily process it. Yeah, I was, just gonna touch, I was just going to touch on that. That's not what mm. happened to me. No. Um, although, although there's an element of it. So in the therapy training that I did, John Butler, he basically took students through live therapy in the classroom, right, with people. So I then had therapy about my, my mother when I was about, mm. I think it was, I must have been 29 or 30. And I, people do have to process trauma if it's deep down here, absolutely, because it can manifest in their life and all of that. Yeah. But it wasn't really doing that for me. However, right. when, when I did go into hypnotherapy with him, I broke both of my hands with the rage that was inside me because I'd gone back to time and I was holding a lot of anger about I was blaming doctors. I was, uh, I was wow. thinking, this must be the doctor's fault. Why didn't, you know, they must have changed their drugs around. Drugs around. You, know, they, they, you know, obviously that wasn't the case. They were trying their best yeah. to, to help her. But the child's mind has to reason somehow and work out what's going on. And at some level, my mind had decided that there's somebody to blame here, and I don't know who it is. And it wasn't until I went to therapy, which I didn't really feel like I needed hugely. I wasn't kind of, you know, affected by the trauma really or anything. But when it came out, you know, this huge rage and anger came out of me to the point where I was punching the floor and I broke both of my hands with the wow. rage and the power, you know. So were you conscious of that or not? Yeah, I could, I could, I was, yeah, I was in there. My eyes were closed, yeah. but I was in this kind of state and, you know, I was being guided not to punch the floor, but the rage came yeah. out, right? And I was just yeah. like, a, yeah. like an animal punching the floor, getting this yeah. rage out. And it's called kind of cathartic release. You know, there's, there, there is, there is a time and a place for that if it's done well with someone who is a kind of expert. Um, and, and that wasn't the intention. You don't go in and think, right, I'm going to now go and pull this out and you're going to punch the floor. You kind of deal with what mm. comes out at the time. And that's what came out, you know. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but, wow. but, but did that hold me back in my life? Not really. So I think my mind, for some reason or another, has always mm. protected me. And I think as I look back, it's probably why I was so fascinated with harnessing the power of it, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I mean, yeah, if, if you've gone through that sort of experience and you've got that belief that your mind has this ability to protect you and you've seen it kind of play out in your own life, then no doubt it's going to throw you into this like world of wanting to explore more about the mind. And, yeah, and I think that's how, what it's how you can help other people, I guess. That's what it's been. And, and especially in the therapeutic work, you know, I was doing that work. Yeah. I was taking people back to, back to childhood. I was kind of doing all this stuff with people with real amazing results and I got real high from it. Mm. But, it but it evolved into me wanting to kind of understand the science of high performance and so it's just a kind of an evolution of what I understood of the mind already, you know. So I'll already ha I'll always keep that ten years worth of therapy work yeah, in my yeah. mind because it's my mind, it's my tools, it's my skills. Mm. But now I have now I'm going into a different direction and bringing other scientific aspects to that. So let's go there now. Let's go into these other this, this next direction, which is high performance, right? So you, you've got yeah. this huge background in in, um, in uh, hypnotherapy and in, in self hypnotherapy, uh, lots of training involved, lots of practice, both in yourself and and, you know, with people around the world, including lots and lots of military leaders. But then you, you really wanted to focus on disciplined individuals who have to, you know, perform at a very high level in very stressful environments very frequently. Yeah. Who better to do that with than obviously athletes and, and military leaders? So tell, tell us a little bit about that. Tell us a little bit about um, your approach to high performance and the kind of yeah. system you use uh, to help people with that. Yeah, okay. So high performance has a scientific definition 
and you know it is defined as succeeding above standard norms over the long term whilst maintaining your health and building positive relationships right so it's a kind of holistic approach to success rather than the kind of more common experience especially with business leaders mm. is high achievement which means i do really well at my job and i climb the ladder and i have lots of money but i my health and my you know yeah. my body is falling apart and i have no what relationship about, what about the rest of your life yeah and i have no relationship and i have no kind of happiness and i'm just miserable and i'm anxious depressed you know i've worked with people who are multimillionaires who are depressed and lonely that's yeah. not success that's that's failure in my view you know so true it's 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 incredible people people plant success on on a, on a one-off achievement right which takes years and years and years to to achieve and if that person's done that that's that's success but really what you're doing is look at looking at the human being yeah, looking at all, all, all aspects of the human being what it means to be human and what it means to be successful as a human being right completely at all aspects of your life so you, you know you perform even further and greater things in your in your professional life Mm. But you're doing it whilst having an amazingly joyful family life. You're having amazingly kind of uh, a healthy, fit energy infrastructure. You know, you're kind of investing in your mind and your body so that you can do that because yeah. you can't do that. If you just go into work, you can't consistently sustain that over your life. Yeah. Because there will be fatigue and there will be, you know, depletion of energy levels and all of those things. So high performance it's really is the science of success of life right and all aspects of that brilliant yeah i mean it's it's um you know this this podcast is obviously in the in the efton x academy uh, group as a live um interview and there's 600 business owners in there and it goes out to lots of um business owners but they're, they're probably listening to this thinking they were going to have productivity hacks on business and how they could how can they excel there but yeah. i think the reality is you know what we're what we're moving into here is productivity hacks and in, in terms of how it is to be human and what it means to be a high performing human being yes and um, then and then that allows you to ramp up your business ramp up your personal right. life ramp up your health your fitness your happiness your joy your confidence your courage all of these things right totally yeah um, and you know so how how do i do that well um well who i work with first is my main i'll tell you why the main focus for me as a military at the moment because I feel like, you know, the hero's journey, you know, where the kind of there's this full circle kind of thing going on. Yeah. The, mil the military gave me my life. You know, you yeah. think I'm kind of 15, lost my life. Military gave me my life. It taught me confidence, taught me leadership, taught me friendships that will last forever, taught me values, taught mm. me, you know, about so much. It gave me so much. And now I feel like I'm coming back and giving to the military something they haven't got. So there's a real... Yeah, yeah. Complete, complete circle feeling to me in the military, which is why I love it so much. Um, but yeah, I work with military leaders at the moment um, in groups. So we have, and you came to one of them as, a, as an observer, but we have, you know, groups of perhaps 25 to 30 people in units and the unit will go through high performance coaching and they go through a 12 week program for their initial mm -hmm. round. Um, and this, this is a scientific kind of highly engineered process that builds them from Where's their focus? Where's it directed? Do they have clarity? This is relevant for business. You know, do you know where you're going, what you want to do? Um, and then it goes into energy because we need that energy to then kind of fuel the thing, right? And keep going. Yeah. It goes into courage, influence, skill, persuasion, psychology. 
there's a huge amount to this, but it's a, basically a transformation process that's highly engineered and scientific. It's, it's phenomenal. But so I do that with the military at the moment, uh, and we're strategically building that. The other people I work with, like we said, is I only have a, a few one-to-one -one clients at one time because my military mm -hmm. commitments are quite large. Um, so I have three currently one-to-one -one clients, and they are one of them is a general manager of a of an offshore water company. Is that kind of leader, you know, CEO, managing director, kind of business leaders. Um, and I yeah. take them, I take them through this process, uh, and most of them, I generally work with people for six months. They'll work with me through this three month process. Then we build to level two. There's a kind of another structure to that. Mm. And it, it's delivered all, it's delivered online. It's delivered through Zoom uh, with online members areas to support it and stuff like that. So, I mean, it, it's typically a 12 week course, right? The, the um, certainly the one I've been introduced to. Yeah, level one is, level one is 12 weeks. And that's what we're building yeah. with the military now is a five year, Five year, yeah. Military leadership progression, right? So they start yeah. at level one. They go through this 12-week structure. They transform their lives, basically. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what, 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 you kindly invited me onto one to kind of observe. What was the, what week was that? That was week seven, which is psychology mastery we're going into. So psychology mastery weeks. So these guys have been doing it for, for seven weeks, one hour, one hour a week for seven weeks. Yeah. One of the things, one of the things that I observed, which is quite interesting, was how completely open a lot of the guys were, because it was all males in the group, how completely open they all were, and um, sort of emotionally talking about things, talking about their personal lives, talking about the challenges they've got at home, talking about the challenges they've got with their kids, and um, yes. from, from a friendship perspective, all these different things, which I can imagine the same group seven weeks earlier would have been completely closed off from. And no yes. doubt you would have faced a lot of like objections to get past that. So. So tell us a little bit about, about the 12 weeks and, and how you kind of break that down so that you can build people up. Yeah. Well, when you came in there at week seven, this group has already been through six weeks of mm. me coaching them in high performance, right? So mm. they've, already, they've already started to have huge transformational wins in their life around where their focus is directed. You know, how much time are they spending in this thing when actually they should right. be spending it here? So they've done that on week one. They've already discovered who they are at their best in clarity. When we go into learning about who they are at their best, most people can't define that. You know, I'll say, who are you at your best? They're like, oh, well, you know, I'm a kind of nice person or I'm, I'm a good leader. Or They can't define it in a way that says, I'm loving, I'm present, I'm positively charged at my best. I know that and I know what each part of that means. And yeah, I strive yeah. for it intentionally every day. So they've already gone through that. They've already gone through building their energy infrastructure which is basically, you know, if you think about energy infrastructure, this is the fuel to our system. Mm. It's like, and there are pillars. It's like your breath, your sleep, your nutrition, hydration, your exercise, and your kind of wellness, right? If you go through all those pillars and you build an infrastructure, infrastructure supports something, right? Yeah. So they've already been through building infrastructure that supports their energy and, and allows them to be well. You think well-being, I turn it around and say this should be being well, right? And we need to draw yeah. on that energy to be well, right? You need the energy to fire at people. You can't just make it up. You have to support it and generate it. So they've already gone through that. They've already talked about authentic courage. I've pushed them and challenged them about, you know, where you're restricting yourself. You know, why can't you speak freely to someone? Is it because you're scared? You know, we've already had those conversations and they're kind of like, 
Yes, <laughs> it is all coming out. Uh, and then we talk about productivity. So we've gone into the hacks already about weaponizing our hours, basically. It's like every hour you have is weaponized. You're like, bang, you've nailed so much in an hour. You then reset, refocus, mm. go again. You know, so they've already skilled up in productivity. They've already gone into influence. So now they understand a bit about persuasion, influence, and having this positive effect in relationships over others and themselves. And now they land where you are. So part of my job is to get them from where they were into where you saw them. And they've yeah. still got another five weeks to go yet until they finish that um, program. Um, a really good question came up while we're, while we're going through this. Um, what tips do you have for building a safe space in such an open environment? You know, they, 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 initially, they don't want to. They don't want to talk about their feelings, emotions. They don't want to talk about this sort of stuff. And, yeah. and I, I suppose they don't, they, don't, they, don't, they don't understand it. They haven't kind of translated it in their own mind yeah. at that stage. But how, do you, right. how do you get them to feel comfortable? And you're right. You're in that open space. You're right. And, and it's very real. It's a very real challenge. When you get there, they kind of don't want to speak or they don't want to share. Or they don't want to do all that thing. I think what does that, part of what, what allows me to do that well is A, I live what I talk about. So I'm very much authentic. I'm role modeling it all. Everything I talk about, I live my life like. And they know mm. that through my experience, through my sharing my stories, through understanding their challenges, right? So partly there's what you bring. So the person who's asking here is what level of kind of authenticity and role modeling and belief that you bring to this. There's also a part where your skill as a coach to be able to uh, ask the right questions so that the penny drops in their mind that makes them think he knows exactly what I'm talking about here. Even in a group of 30, he's just spoken directly to me. Yeah. yeah. Your ability to ask the right question there, make that penny drop on there to them and then give them things that improve their family relationship. Give them things that, you know, make them better at work. Give them things that make them feel better and happier and, and more present and all of that. So it's a combination, really. The other thing that that you have that I bring to it is a very powerful directive energy. You know, right. I say to them, "Look, this is a scientific process, and it is. And if you are a passenger for the first six weeks, guess where you'll be in six weeks? Probably just still a passenger, right? Get on board. The only single variable on you transforming your life here, which I know you don't understand at the moment, is your effort and your ability to challenge your own thinking." So what are the tips? You know, it's basically the tips are understand where they are. So I understand where they are because I've seen them 50 times in different groups. I know where they are. Mm. They don't know where they're going. I know where they're going. So my ability to communicate that to them, demonstrate mm. that to them, show them that, make them feel. This is the thing about influence and persuasion. You've got to make them feel something. Yeah. Feel like it's real, feel rewarded, feel safe, feel trusted, feel all of those things. So it's probably a difficult kind of uh, question to answer in one line, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, no I think you've answered it brilliantly. Um, so I, I, I know that, um, you know, ensuring that someone is trained up to, you know, to, to be able to kind of dive into the world of high performance, but making it sustainable is a real focus of yours. Um, I know there's, there's three main parts, I believe you said, place, planning, and people. Yeah, okay. Well, this is more about a productivity kind of thing that I, that I kind of came up with for you, really, to listen for yeah. the listeners to be able to have some framework to think Brilliant. about yeah. productivity. That'd um, be great to get into. Yeah, okay. So I'll, I'll kind of I'll put it into three things. And 
And productivity, we have to understand, and hopefully everybody does now, it isn't just about productivity tips, right? Mm. It isn't about measuring your screen time and, and having kind of, you know, things shut off and all of that. It's about the whole thing I talked about before. You have to have, your focus has to be directed in the right area. You have to know where you want to go, which is clarity. You have to know, you have to be supporting the energy infrastructure to have that energy to, to you know, crush your goals and move the productivity forward. You have to have the courage to step out into the com- out your comfort zone. You know, so you have to, it's, productivity is built on you and mm. your system and how you're using it. And then when you get to productivity, now you can have productivity tips that help you really fire, you know. But if, you, if you're just having some tips about productivity when you're knackered and you're really frustrated yeah. and stressed, it means nothing, right? Yeah, um, yeah, but, absolutely. So let's get to this place. And the three things I will talk about here uh, that, Really, the problem with productivity is people are distracted. So that's one reason. People are very distracted. You know, there's the social media thing going on all the time. There's the, the mm. pings, the notifications. There's lots of distraction is one part. And that fuels procrastination. You know, people kind of just waste time. They then spend hours on YouTube or whatever they do, right? So there's and, – and there's fear. This is the other thing. There's fear. And, and people might not like to hear that or, or say that out loud, but secretly down deep with most people, part of their productivity problem is fear. And they haven't got the courage to really step Probably out. Fear of failure, isn't it? I think for a lot fear of Fear of failure, fear of criticism, fear of rejection, mm. fear of what other people will think, fear of the process being too hard, fear of the grass won't be greener on the other side, the fear of loads of things, right? Mm. Kind of really limits them. So actually that is a big part of productivity as well is is freeing yourself from those things but once we've done all of that right (laughs) then we can get to the framework right the framework i've come with for you is place is the first one and i'll go into each one of these but i'll just mention them for you the first one is place yeah the second one is planning planning is the second one the third one is people people they're the three factors i'm going to unpack here for you so people can understand how to weaponize their productivity and get better right yeah. So what I mean by place is, is the place you are in when you're trying to work, is it leading you to inspiration? You know, do mm. you have the ability to focus there? Do you have uh, a place where there are boundaries, where nobody's kind of knocking the door all of the time? Uh, mm. You know, And this is difficult in the COVID world, obviously, because people used to have this ability to go to work in a commute. And there was a mm. transition and then they would be at work and then they could come home and there was a transition they could be at home. But now lots of people are at home. So we still have to factor what is the place like you're trying to work in? Is there natural light? What is the view like? You know, do you have clutter everywhere? Um, kind of how is the setup of the workplace? Is it easy to work there? Uh, you know, are there kind of scheduled non-distraction times? Um, so, and is there a shutdown from that place? So you have to have a shutdown routine. If you're not, if you're working at home, you can't mm. expect to you know, walk away from the kitchen table where your laptop is and then be at home and not have that thing nagging at you. You know, you need a routine to shut down. From yeah. that place. And, and one of the routines I'll share with you briefly here is um, you, you know, I basically tick boxes, right? I have a planner that I created for myself. I take it so seriously. I'll show you <laughs> see it somewhere. Anyway, um, you have a shutdown is this, routine. Is this the, life, the life planner? Yeah, the purposeful life plan. Oh, yeah, here yeah, it is. It'd yeah. be great to see that, yeah. yeah. This is the Purposeful Life Planner, which basically I created for my own self after using, you know, 
years and years, as you've heard of my fascination with the mind, I've used lots of different planners. Anyway, over time, I knew what questions I wanted to ask myself. We'll get into that in the planning in a second. But my point is you have to have a shutdown routine from work is a key thing. So what I do is I have some boxes in my planner. And at five o'clock or whatever time it is in the day, I will tick those boxes. It will be check LinkedIn, tick box, check Facebook or, or, or email, whatever the thing I have to get the message from, tick box. It will be task reorg. So what tasks have I still got from the day that are still nagging at my mind that I need to reorganize into a different time, I need to put next week or what I didn't achieve today. Do all of that work, tick the box. So it's closed off, right? Mm. And then, then buffer is the key part. So I have a buffer. So it will be walk out of office, close door, go and go for a run outside or walk with my dog or walk with my child into the fresh air. That is my decompressed time, get it all out. Walk back into the house in house mode right? And then the door shut. If you don't have a shutdown routine like that, you will fail. Because uh, the psychologist called Ziegenick told us back in the 1900s, look, Seb, if I get to you, what do you feel like doing if I do this? Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> dun, dun. <laughs> yeah. there's, a, there's a feeling to want to close it off, right? Right. That's called the, Ziegenick. That's called the Ziegenick effect. And mm. you will have that if you don't close off your tasks from the day. If you don't close it off properly, it will be nagging in the back of your mind and you'll want to go back and check and do all that stuff. So key is place, it's set up well, and you have uh, the ability and the routine to shut down from that place where you literally tick boxes, which gives you a psychological high and a win anyway. Mm. Close the door, close the laptop, I'm now in a different role, right? Yeah. I mean, so that's place. You've got to consider where are you working? Where are you trying to concentrate? Is it set up well? Uh, you know, is is it kind of close offable from distractions, and is it close offable from the end of my work day, so I can then transition into a different part of my life? Yeah. So that's place okay. basically. Uh, planning is the second part because if you have that place sorted out, it's a good environment. It's natural light. It's, it feels good. I can concentrate there. I can do all that stuff. Then that will help your productivity, right? You'll be able to concentrate more, move things forward. The next part is planning. And what I call four-way planning. Okay, so four-way planning is basically looking at what do I want to achieve in the month ahead? That's, that's step one of four-way planning. 30 days, month ahead, what are the projects I'm working on? So the listeners here now, you know, what is one personal life project and one professional life project that they're working on that they want to be different in 30 days from now? That's a level of planning that I have to have some clarity on and think, this is where I'm focusing, right? That's, mm. that's um, step one. Step two, which I do on a Sunday, is the weekly plan. So we have to break down that 30 days into four weeks and into four weeks, uh, four weekly plans. So it means by the end of this week, I will have got to this stage in the four-week plan, right? Yeah. It sounds common sense, and it is, but it isn't common practice. People don't do this. They don't sit down mm. on a Sunday and go, okay, have I got a Friday finisher list? You know, so on the Sunday, I'll sit down and go, to get to this milestone in week one, I need to have achieved one, two, three, four, five, six, seven really important priorities to me, not other people's priorities, my priorities, by Friday. That's a Friday finisher list. And I have mm. it in my planner. And my goal is to get that completed by Friday. That's a Friday finisher list set on Sunday, right? Ready for Friday. Now yeah. you're focused and you're looking at your then the other thing I do on a Sunday, which is planning, is delete things for the week ahead. 
I look at the week and I'll go, you know, those meetings that I said I would do that are kind of not actually important, but I've just said I'd do it. Yeah. Sorry, I can't do that. Sorry. Cancel loads of things. So you free up more time for that week, right? So that's right. step two is weekly plan, which is done on a Sunday. The step three in, in four-way planning is daily plan. Now in my planner, on a Sunday, I have the whole week written out in blocks of time for the whole week. Mm. So now on, on a Sunday and the night before, I will look at the next day and I'm in the daily plan. And the daily plan basically includes all of my priorities first. So on a Sunday, I'm looking at how many times I'm exercising this week. Put that in the calendar. Block that time out. Uh, how, how many times I'm going for a walk daily for 30 minutes. Right, put that in. So you build out your own things first. Yeah. I do it. And then whatever's left is for my professional priorities, right? Yeah, brilliant. And it, it clears the mind as well. Do you know what I mean? Having this, having this kind of everything's laid out. You, you know, if it's, if it's out of your mind, if it's all stuck in your head, often I find this is why I write lists so much, because if it's all stuck in your head, it's very easy to get stressed or feel overwhelmed if you've got a, if you've got a lot on. But once it's on paper, suddenly yeah. it just empties the mind. I heard this, and especially if it's on paper in a structured way, that you can see, now this is how I'm going to do this week. And you know exactly where you should be focusing, right? Because I can look mm. at today and go, okay, what time is it? Well, it's five to two. Oh, I'm on a Seb Bates podcast. It's already in the day, right? I know where it is. I know where it should be focused. Yeah. But the daily plan isn't just the day. It's about how do you set yourself up for the day? So this is about protecting your first hour from screens. Mm. Lots of people in the day are falling out of bed onto the screen, right? And what they do is go instant reaction mode. They open up the inbox and now yeah. they are reacting to other people's priorities. Monkey right. mode. Yeah. It's like, well, it's, it's, the email inbox is, a, is a, a convenient prioritizing list for everybody else's stuff. Yeah. They just chuck it all in there, right? And then you wake up at half past six in the morning and you're straight into reacting to that. That's yeah. not, you're not going to win the day, right? So yeah. take the first hour from screens means pick up my planner set my intentions for the day and I'll ask myself specific questions, you know, and these questions are set up for me to really win this day. Yeah. Um, right. You know, it will talk about breathing practices, sleep routine, exercise, movement, nutrition, hydration, self-talk, cold showers, top three tasks I want to achieve today. I have clarity on what I'm going to do today and how I'm going to do it. And it's all laid out. So that's part of the daily plan is setting it up. Well, mm. But it's also in the daily plan. It's about pre preparation, right? So people like Obama and people like other kind of high-achieving, performing leaders in the world, they don't think in the morning about what am I going to wear today. They have yeah. the week's uniform all planned out, like military people. It's easy. It's all in the wardrobe, right? It's all ironed. It's all ready. Don't have to use thinking energy. I just yeah, pick right. the thing up, put it on. My Steve meal. Wearing the same, wearing the same uh, yeah. thing every day, isn't it? Absolutely. And the same with meals, you know? Right, I know that my salad is prepped on a fry, uh, you know, for lunch, and it's in the fridge and it's ready to go. So I don't have to then, start, what am I going to eat? What am I, you know, what am I going to eat today? There's a, there's a thinking energy that comes from that. You waste, yeah. you know. So it's about preparation of not just your your kind of uh, work plan. It's how do you feel and keep that work plan going, you know? And it's mm. all prepared and ready to go. That's part of the weekly and daily plan. Then it's about blocking allocating t blocks of time what most people are trying to do and why they struggle with productivity is they're trying to do too many things they're trying to do too many things at one time you know and we'll lose then the ability to focus very deeply on 
actually moving a thing forward that's important with deep focus and work. You only do that by allocating a block of time where there is no other distraction. There can't be phone, there can't be anything else. It's mm. about allocating blocks of time which come from your Friday finisher list. You get the Friday finisher list, you stick it in Monday, two-hour block, Thursday, four-hour block, whatever the block is. Now, once you've, once you've filled that calendar up, you can't then just start adding to the list because, like you say, it gets frustrating and tiring and a source of stress. Yeah. Right? And what Warren Buffett actually said once, which I heard, which is amazing, was write down 25 things on your A4 piece of paper, right? The, the 25 things you've got to do this week. Then write another list with the top three things out of that 25 list. Put it on a different yeah. piece of paper. Now throw the other list in the bin, and that's what you've got to do. When you've done, <laughs> done the three, then you can yeah. write another list, right? That's the yeah, better Yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, this, this is exactly what we do. You know, we, we have a, a meeting as a team in the, in, on a Monday. We set the task for the week. On Friday, we, we kind of go over what's been done, debrief. But all the, all the tasks all have a top three. Like there's 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 yeah. there's a top three thing whether whether you win or fail at your at your week whether you're on track or off track right and the um and it's the, yeah it's, it's, it's a it's clarity but it's also enabling people to a achieve that task and b making sure they have this energy and fuel and focus to be able to do it right well over a long term so this is still yeah. in daily planning right daily planning is a kind of it's a skill it's a skill set yeah. if you really yeah. want to understand productivity you have got to spend the time and and get the tool as well that kind of helps you do that because without the tool you can't do it right yeah right. Um, the, other part, the other part about daily planning is reflection the other part about the daily planning is reflection so reflection is this thing that most people don't ever do or they might do kind of on a course once in a while or something like that right i mean targeted daily reflection where at the end of the day you sit in bed and you say what did I try hard at today and I can feel proud of my efforts from? Mm. Right? And I basically will ask, answer that question every day because what this does for me, and there's a load of questions that, that help me reflect and learn from the day and put it to tomorrow. So I'm better tomorrow because of what I learned today. But this question I just said, what most people are challenged with is they're basing the way they feel on outcomes that they can't control that's outside of them rather yeah. than basing the way they feel on the effort they're making. You know, and most people never learn to do this. But if you if you said, you know, what did I really try hard at today? And you start to think, well, I really tried hard to complete that project. It didn't go well, but I tried really hard at it. Well done me. You're now starting to learn to appreciate your efforts rather than, you know, somebody says that business deal went really well. I feel great. That business deal went really bad. I feel terrible. Mm. But your feelings are being controlled by things out there which you can't control. So mm -hmm. by asking that question and reflecting as a daily practice, we start to then really gain control of our feelings and also get more discipline in our next day because of what we learned from that day. So that's daily planning, basically. So you've got monthly, weekly, daily planning and reflection. That's four-way planning, what I call it. That increases right. your productivity, right? Hugely. Yeah. yeah. To understand some of these things and practice some of them. Mm. The final part is people. Uh, you know, do you have people around you that are dementors, you know, that suck the energy, suck the life out of you with their negativity and their pessimism and all of that? That is going to affect your productivity and how much performance you will have, right? Or do you surround yourself with a tribe of people who get what you're about in the world, who are accountable with you, 
who kind of, you know, really support, cheer you on, motivate you and all of that. So people is a fundamental aspect of productivity, who you surround yourself with, you know, uh, and also coaching. If you, an athlete understands this, obviously, an Olympic athlete has a coach, right? Because they want to perform at a higher level than they can perform at on their own. And they realize that a coach will bring a different perspective, will allow me to see things I can't see on my own, if they're good. So we, you know, especially people who are in business, if you haven't got a coach, you can't be expecting to be performing and producing and being productive anywhere near the level that you could be if you had a highly effective coach with a highly effective process. Mm-hmm. People is, is professional coaching. It's the people you surround yourself with. It's scheduling with your family. There's people. You know, if there's a busy week ahead, I'll sit down with my wife and say, right, what have you got on this week? She'll tell me. I'll say, they've got these things on. So we have clarity. We know. We're not going to get annoyed with each other when I can't be there for something because I'm on this because we've already dealt with the people and kind of told them that we're going to, you know, we'll be busy here, but this time here will be quality time for us. So we know and there's clarity with people. There's establishing interruption rules, you know. It's like having the sign on the door that says, Dad's on a live podcast. That means you can't come in, right? It's having those rules that people respect. That's people. Uh, You know, it's getting rid of meetings and false emergencies. People are constantly saying, oh, I need this from you now. And you're going, oh, okay, I'll drop all my priorities. And uh, when do you want me to do it for you? Yeah. You know, it's, it's a good intention, but it's a kind of, it's a road to a lack of productivity and effectiveness because we're constantly distracted all the time. You know, and the other thing about people, the final thing I'll say is, connect and appreciate people every day you know how many people are intentionally in the morning thinking who can i reach out to and really appreciate today not many people that is a tool that will make you feel good fire you up in the morning and kind of because happiness comes from connection you know we know from the longest study in the world on happiness this is about depth and relationships that's that's what happiness is not status not money not material Mm. things the live study is still going on. It's been going on for 80 years or so. Every year they check in with these people. Most of them are now dead, but they've found an absolute unequivocal correlation with happiness is depth and connection in relationships. So if we know that and we don't want to get to the end of our life and think regret, wish I'd have done more, wish I'd have spent more time with my family, wish I'd have taken more chances. Mm. We already know we're going to get to the end of our life. So we're here now. Let's do, let's go there on purpose, right? That's my point. Let's go there on purpose so you can look back and go, good job, me. Happy with that. I had a good life. Off I go. <laughs> you know, so that, that framework, hopefully, I know there's a lot I covered there, but yeah, you know, this, this kind of framework of thinking about what's my place like when I'm trying to be productive? Who are the people around me that help me be productive? And how do I communicate with them? And what is the plan? Do I have a plan, right? You know, mm. how am I going to do this stuff? And that, that's the kind of framework I would share with people if they want to get into the real serious nature of productivity. Amazing. Um, Mate, that was such great advice. I think anyone, anyone listening to this is probably just like running out of paper on their, on their notepads from good ideas here. You know, there's, there's so much. What, what I love is a podcast where you, you know, you're listening to it and you can just writing down ideas of things to implement. And there was a bunch of stuff there that really... Guys, if you're listening this to this, you can really implement a lot of this to to massively improve your productivity and you know live a more high performance life. 
Um, Lee, it was absolutely amazing to, uh, to have you on, mate. Thank you so much for coming on. What's the best way for everyone here to uh, learn more about you or get in touch? Yeah, my main social platform at the moment is LinkedIn, so they can find me there, Lee Evans Mind Power Solutions on LinkedIn. Uh, my website is a good way to get in touch, mindpowersolutions.co, uh, so they can kind of find my email address there and get hold of me that way. Um, uh, yeah, they're the kind of main ways to get hold of me. And 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 next year really is uh, there are only you know there is only there's a specific focus in the military. There is only really a, uh, a kind of certain amount of people that will work with who are not military people. So if you want to kind of get in touch, um, do it soon. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. If you want if you want military level high performance as a yeah. leader, then then get in touch. If you've got any questions, guys, then stick them in the comments on the um, if you're in the F10X Academy group. And uh, Lee, you're in that group too. So if you wouldn't yeah. mind jumping on and, um, and helping anyone out with questions afterwards, that'd be awesome. No worries. Lee, thanks so much, mate. Really appreciate it. You're welcome. Thanks, mate. We really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you want to be the first to get access to our live interviews, then head over to f10x.com to apply to be a part of our online community.